0: Playing, and the rhythm's gently swaying. Underneath the stars, a million bars, guitars are softly saying Mexico Yes, those guitars are softly saying Mexico, which <laughs> means it's time <laughs> once more to uh, link up with uh, Mr. Jonathan Bonfilio. Uh, John, very uh, good evening to
1: you. Very good evening to you Martin.
0: So um, Brazil, we start with uh, in our uh, news from uh, Latin America. And uh, it's for the first time uh, Brazil has exceeded 2000 COVID-related deaths. It's uh, it's getting bad new variants and, uh, and all sorts of problems.
1: Definitely a, a, an earthquake week in, in Brazil. And every time we talk about Brazil on, on your show, I then think, oh, we'll cover other countries in Latin America this, this next week. And then there's another earthquake week in, in Brazil that... That takes place for sure. Statistically, as you say, 2,000 deaths per day uh, for the first time since this whole thing began. So reaching up to 300,000 deaths in total, second only to the to the U to the USA. ICU occupancy countrywide is 80 plus percent. And in the state capitals in the country, at 90 odd percent. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, the health system absolutely close to to collapse. And as you say, and, and one of the great worries about Brazil at the moment as one epidemiologist said, is that Brazil is uh, basically a risk to to global health because um, the the virus is running amok um, across the country and the worry is that there are going to be more and more variants like the P1, which is uh, is spreading across the country, that are going to emerge and then cause problems for everybody else further down the line. And if that wasn't enough, ex-president Luís Inácio Lula de Silva... Uh, still very uh, popular in the country, known as Lula, who's been in prison for the last couple of years on corruption charges, has had those charges annulled, um, about as left-wing as uh, Jair Bolsonaro, the current president, is right-wing. And it looks as though, you know, all things considered, there's going to be a massive face-off with these two guys in in a presidential election uh, next uh, next year.
0: So, I mean, is there a possibility for what you're saying there, uh, John, that, um, Brazil could go the way of Venezuela.
1: Um, you mean in terms of, uh, the, the countrywide situation? Politically, look, when Lula da Silva was in power, um, he actually presided over an incredible period of, of, um, of growth in, in Brazil. It wasn't a sort of an extremist statewide controlled right. leftist regime. It was all more of a kind of a free market leftist, uh, economy and and also he was voted in after decades of military rule and then abuses by by right wing politicians so he was very much championed as a as a man of the people i don't think he's going to be an extremist leftist figure um that would come in and change absolutely everything the thing that he's got going for him is that he's massively charismatic and still adored and a lot of the population regard the the corruption charges that he was set up against from the lavajetta from the car wash scandal to have been largely Trumped up to discredit him. In fact, he was only barred from running for the previous election. The Bolsonaro won a month before the election took place. Up until that point, he was actually leading in uh, in the polls. So I think it's it's more of a kind of standard uh, modern leftist movement, if you like, rather than a you know brazen soc- um, socialist movement of something we'd expect in the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies.
0: Right, right. So uh, by and large, people, do you think, will be glad to see the back of Bolsonaro?
1: I think every every week makes things worse for him and it makes it harder for him to evade the the way that he's handled the pandemic in particular, because it has affected absolutely everybody across the country. I mean, there's almost nobody that hasn't been affected by it, you know, statistically. And it's very difficult for 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 him to get away from this biggest event in in the country, whatever he says about the economy and and so on. So, um, what was definitely in his favour, one of the few things in his favour, was that he, there was nobody significant as a political figure to run against him. And there wasn't, you know, after it was barred last time, it was the same thing. Uh, up until now, you know, there was no main figure of the opposition that um, that support was was gathering around. But this is why. This is big news about Lula emerging from from prison because even if he is convicted further down the line, the way that the Brazilian courts work means it's not going to happen in the next year. So it's very difficult to see a situation in which Lula will be barred from running for the next election. Um, so it, it's absolutely going to be a face-off between between the two of them, and of course Lula uh, uh, and you know his side of the argument are, have always been and continue to be throwing mud. at uh, Bolsonaro in terms of saying that one of the reasons why it's so bad in Brazil is because of this single man. I mean, is that, you know, is there weight behind the accusation? Uh, you know, whichever way you look at it, I think to a large extent, yes, there is.
0: And what's being done about it? I mean, are you, are you all locked down or uh, I know it, it varies in different parts of the country. But, um, you know, what is everybody in Brazil locked down at the moment?
1: No, they're really not. There's, um, so Rio and Sao Paulo have have, um, have brought out temporary lockdowns over the course of the last couple of weeks. But essentially, it, you know, it's obviously state run, uh, massive country, state runs and so on. As you say, d- different areas are, are very distinct, one, one from the other. But one of the problems with the country has been that there's been this discrepancy between the federal authorities and the state run authorities. So nobody really agrees on what policies should be enacted in terms of whether you, how you address or whether you even address at all the COVID situation. And that's been one of the great multipliers of, of the virus is that there's, there's been no significant leadership and, and no single message that's been disseminated across the population. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, one health minister recently was sacked and then another health minister res- resigned because there was no unanimity of, of messaging um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: across the country in terms of, you know, telling people what to do and what they should do and so on. The, the federal government basically is from the very beginning uh, has been brushing off the, uh, brushing off the virus as being something which is not really, as, as, as we've said many times in the show, Martin, as being a little flu. Yeah,
0: yeah, I know. Uh- Moving to Mexico now, your uh, parliament in Mexico has approved a bill to uh, legalise the recreational use of marijuana, um, paving the way for the country to become the largest legal cannabis market in the world. So uh, economically, I presume that'll be uh, pretty profitable for Mexico.
1: It should be, yeah. And as you say, the third, it's going to be the third country in the world that's going to legalise it nationwide after Uruguay and, and Canada. It's been a long time coming. This, uh, the Supreme Court. Uh, passed, uh, or made a decision a few years ago, essentially legalizing it, maybe four or five years ago. But then the, the lower house and the upper house didn't then follow suit with that. So, so it's to some extent been decriminalized for a while, especially in, in Mexico City. But just as you say this week, the, the lower house has voted to, uh, to legalize, uh, personal use and personal growing of, of marijuana, 28 grams and up to eight plants, if you're interested. Um, and then it's, it's, uh, <laughs> It's assumed because of the, the massive majority that the, the, the current president has and his party has in the Senate, in the upper house, that it's going to pass without too much trouble there. So, yeah, over the course, of the next few weeks, it seems though like Mexico is going to be, become the largest country to have a legalized um, industry, cannabis industry um, across the country. Worth remembering that Mexico is still a very conservative country in, in many senses and in many ways. So there is. Um, there's this, this kind of strange push me pull you thing here where there is a generally a deep antipathy or suspicion about this uh about this legislation. But equally people know that the current drugs legislation, you know, cannot continue as is because, you know, how long have we been fighting the drug war now? What, three generations? Absolutely,
0: yeah, I mean well, I assume that uh, if it is legalized, the um, drug cartels are going to want to uh, you know diversify into different areas maybe other than cannabis or get their own little um, you know little bit of the business
1: yeah totally and I, and I think the thing to, to to remember about drug cartels is that they're not um, sectionized groupings of People just running the drugs business or certain drugs businesses. They're already multinationals that permeate all structures of economy and society in Mexico and in the US and various other countries. So they, they're already going to be well ahead of the game in terms of this, yeah. this legislation and their involvement with it if they deem it to be profitable. But essentially the way that the cartels work is that they follow the money. The drugs is only, um, uh, a rationale for them, a raison d'etre for them, a point of interest for them because of the vast amount of monies that it makes. But if that then becomes uh, the avocado, if that then becomes uh, the totoaba fish that gets exported illegally to, to, to China, which is more valuable per gram than um, than cocaine, any of those things that, you know, that is going to make them money, they're going to get get involved in. And if cannabis is that they're still going to be there. And if cannabis isn't that, then they're going to they're going to not even blink and then move on to something else. Yeah,
0: I'm sure they will. Uh, and just, just finally, yeah, uh, one football story, John, which is that um, there are the qualifiers for the uh, World Cup uh, are going to be postponed. I assume because of coronavirus, which will mean that uh, if you, we have Latin American players in our uh, Premier League teams, they'll be able to stay in the UK rather than uh, going abroad for those matches.
1: That is exactly the case, and of course, then the problem being that they would then have to quarantine. Forcibly on return, so essentially, Premier League supporters, and not just Premier League supporters, but um, across other divisions, and certainly well the way across Europe, who've been worrying about their favourite Latin American, South American football players having to miss some games, no longer have to worry because a couple of matches at the end of the month have been have been postponed without new due dates being being put in place uh, by the South American football governing body Conmebol, so that means that your Leo Messi's and your Firmino's and your Coutinho's um, are not going to have to miss any any domestic games um, essentially it was an untenable situation in terms of getting your best players back to South America to play these, these qualifiers, so they just underscored it and just said we'll wait until a, another time to, to get this done.
0: Excellent excellent. Okay, uh, John uh, as always, thank you uh, ever so much do appreciate it
1: no problem, take care.
0: Go man. That's, uh, John Belfilio joining us, uh, from Mexico, uh, on that. Still to come, but, uh,